Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 2, verse 14. It's in the Pew Bible, it's uh, page 1217, if you're looking for it. As we begin today, uh, what I want you to realize is the following. I want to give you the answer up front today. And I hope no matter what else I say today, you remember this answer. And the answer, as you can see on the screen today, is both and. That's the answer today. And so let's just say it out loud. One, two, three. Both and. Yeah, it's both and. And I like when it's both and. Like if somebody offers me to make a sandwich, hey, do you want ham or turkey? I'll take both and. All right? I mean, it's just a, you ever had a multiple choice test? You realize, I think it's A. Oh, wait a minute. I think it's B. And don't you like when you see C says all the above or both and? All right? I like both and. There's something about it's inclusive. I can hold on to it. I don't have to be stuck here or there. It's both and. My favorite's probably around dessert. I mean, you'll be out to dinner, they'll bring the dessert menu, or maybe they'll say there's only like two options tonight, we're out of that, and cheesecake or the mousse. Oh, both and. Both and's good. And so today I want you to realize the answer is both and. And maybe this is a little bit like Jeopardy right now, so I'll give you the question. The question we're asking today is, in our spiritual journey with God, which matters more, faith or works? There's a tension, there's a theological uh, tension in doctrine about this at times uh, that has split denominations and created denominations as a result. There can be people in our body between all of us that feel this tension. Wait a minute, faith works? Wait, wait, what is it? Let's just get it straight. It's both and. But it's a complicated subject, and that's why we're going to walk through James' uh, writing on it today. If you haven't been with us, we've been in this series uh, called Faith That Works, which we're in the heart of it today based on this passage, Faith That Works. And the reality is we're trying to make our faith work in real life. And actually, by doing that, us learning how to do that, we can help others do that, pass it on to the next generations. Some of you have been doing this much more than others, and that's why we need each other to really work out our faith together. And we've been dealing with different subjects that uh, James has been bringing to us. Week one was on trials. Week two was on temptation. Week three was on, began this whole focus on the treatment of others. Remember, everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's about attitudes and actions. Week four was about how we're treating people. Are we discriminating? Are we showing favoritism? And then today is about this concept of faith and works. It still relates to relating to others. If you think about James is very opinionated and very strong at times to the audience he's writing to. He'll use a phrase like this, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. He's calling his new Christian believers who were his Jewish brothers and sisters to not just stand on their faith, but to move from their faith in that way specifically. And if you think about us, we can all struggle with this. James obviously is pointing out, hey, there's not enough being done here. You're not allowing your faith to stir in you enough to go do something. And in the church at times, we can become hypocritical in that way, whether it's attitude or action. 
in how we carry out our faith. And so I think it's good for us. In the end, God wants to create us mature and more complete like Christ and operate in a way that we have a faith that works, a faith that actually works in real life, but a faith that then works. It does things as a result of that, and you're going to see that today. So let's, again, let's remember as we move forward, what's the answer today? Yeah, it's both hand. It's both hand. Let's jump into the text. James 2.14. James 2, verse 14. It says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Every time we say deeds today, let's relate to it as the word works. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith even save them? So he's raising the big question in the big issue right here. He's questioning this. Will a faith that lacks works save us from God's judgment? Will a faith that's just, just faith alone, I believe in you, Jesus, I believe in you, God, will that actually save us? Would that get us to heaven? He's pushing that question uh, here. So let's start, Len, and let's just understand faith first. So I'm going to separate out faith. Let's just look at faith as a whole. I have a simple visual for you today just to look at this because I want you to see how faith and work starts to come together. And the first truth is this. The first truth is that faith saves us. I want you to remember that, that faith actually does save us. So now you're like, bro, you told me it's both and. Well, no, I just told you the answer was both and. And remember what the question was. The question was, in our spiritual journey with God, which matters more, faith or works? Okay? And so the answer is both and. But what I'm getting to right now is, what actually saves us? Because James brought the question up, and we've got to get this one clear. What saves us from the wrath of God, from his judgment on us? Because as human beings, we're broken from the start, and we're not holy like him. Well... If faith saves us, where in the scriptures does it say that? Let's go back to Ephesians 2. This isn't James. This is Paul writing this. And look what he says. It's super clear. And we need to know this so we can pass it on. In a moment, I'm going to get you to declare it. It says this, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works. Did you see that? Not by works, so that no one can boast. So if you just hold on to that passage right there, look at the bolded words. It's by grace, through faith, not by works. Do you see it? By grace, through faith, not by works. You guys are the by grace section, those two. You guys right here are the through faith section. You last two right here are the not by works, all right? I just want to get this in our souls so we declare it. So what are you supposed to say? All right, we're going to stir that pot up a little bit, all right? Let's get a little louder, a little more unfair, would you? Write those words down because it's easy to turn this into something that it's not. When he says it's a gift of God, that's what the word grace actually means. When you get back into the language of it, that's what it means. Grace means gift. It's a beautiful word. It is my favorite five-letter word out there, by far. Grace changed my life 
when I understood what it meant. Grace for me was always just something we said before dinner. And I hope there was two options for dessert. All right? That's all I knew grace to meant. I never knew until my mid-20s what grace meant. That it meant this. By grace, through faith, gift of God, not by works. So here's what's interesting. In other religions, this gets confused. In some religions, works becomes the, the highest point and the thing we're striving towards. And if you don't do enough works, you end up in a place called purgatory. In other world religions, works gets you to a different level of heaven based on how many works you have done. All right? In other world religions, there's this process of reincarnation, supposedly, that based on the amount of works you did, you end up coming back as something else. This is not what Paul is saying here. But if that is true reincarnation, I just want you to know, I want to come back as my dog. My dog has the best life. The best life. But I don't believe in reincarnation because that's not what the Bible says. And then there's this other issue called karma. Have you ever heard of karma? That's like earthly works that, hey, if you don't do enough works, oh, it's going to get you on earth. We're not even talking about in the heavenlies. Let's go back to this word grace. Hold on to this. Take a picture of this next slide. Grace means there is nothing you can do, nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He just loves you. It's a quote by Philip Yancey years ago, written a book around the 2000s. But this is the beauty of grace. Grace declares there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He just loves you. That's what the cross was for. The cross and the atoning blood of Christ that pours out on you covers you. That is the grace that God has for you. Now, this has to be received, remember, because it was by grace through what? Yeah. Oh, this is my through faith section. By grace? It's through faith, not by works. And if I take you then to Romans 10, Paul also writes and says, this is how you can get in on this saving grace. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's nothing in there about works. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you, are, that you profess your faith and are saved. You know where you can just prove this straight out, that it's, you're saved just by faith? The thief on the cross. The thief on the cross is on the cross next to Jesus, unable of doing any what? Works, okay? And this is what the thief says. He declares the name of Jesus. He says, Jesus, hmm. Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus says, yes, you will be with me in paradise. The other thief didn't believe. He was, he was mocking Jesus. Why don't you get us off here? The other guy went, whoa, this is the Christ. Oh, my, I'm caught up in this story in a very odd way. I'm the guy on the right or the left. Oh, my this is the Christ. This is the anointed one. Oh, my. And he declares the name Jesus. He doesn't say, I believe in you. He just calls him his name because he believed in the name. And then, remember, James is the brother of who? Jesus. 
he would have heard Jesus talk about this a bit, all right? And he had to come to terms with his brother declaring that he was the way in. And so when Jesus would have said that anyone who believes in him, Jesus, will not perish but eternal life, James knew that. So James wasn't confused here. He's just frustrated that people aren't doing enough what? Works based on their faith. He's like, where's your faith? Because I don't see any works. That's what he's talking about. Let's go back to the text. James 2, 15 and 17. Suppose a brother and sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by action, is what? Dead. He's calling them out on that. And then he brings up a new argument. But someone will say, go to verse 18, you have faith, I have deeds or works. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Ooh, he just drops some truth on them right there. He says, you come with faith, I come with deeds. And he says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And this, friends, is, he, is where he's saying they go together. They're a tandem. They're a tandem. You'll see an image that's about to pop up. These go together. Do you see that? They work like two gears together. And so the second truth today, works are part of faith. They are. This is why in a church community, when somebody comes alive with Christ, it is beautiful to see what happens. It's almost like the gears begin to churn in a whole new way, all right? In one way, their mind begins to actually think differently. The Spirit has them attached now in a different way, and they begin to see things differently. And then we begin to see their outer actions change. They choose to get baptized because they have an inward faith, and they want to declare an outward sign of it, so they get baptized. They begin to actually pray. Do you remember when you didn't pray, but then all of a sudden faith came in and began to churn the gear of praying? Praying is a work of faith, if you really think about it. And it goes on and on, serving, trying to control your tongue, looking at where you are with your finances, just not being a jerk, all right? Not just being your selfish self. Faith can actually turn a new gear, which turns you what? In a new way of works in that way. Forgiving, reconciling, helping restore things, standing for the truth. This is all works in our life. How about giving of your money? I'm amazed, like, I was all about money, all right? The goal was money, all right? That was the point of life, wasn't it? Isn't it you grow up, get higher education, and you go make as much money as you possibly can? But somehow the gear of faith, when it churned in my life, changed the way I began to think about that. And it changed the way I received it, and then it changed the way that I gave it. That's what faith does. That's the kind of work that faith wants to do. There was others who declared this in other ways, that faith reflects a shift in our heart, that faith is an outward sign of inward faith. John the Baptist said this when he was mad at the Pharisees for their lack of good works. He said, you need to produce fruit in keeping in with repentance. Meaning this, repentance comes by your understanding, I need this God Jesus, I need you on the cross. And then 
usually what comes from there is this beautiful fruit of a changed life. Here's what's interesting. If you're wondering why the seed of faith in you might not be producing fruit or good works, and we all wrestle with this, I speak for myself, it's probably where the seed is landing in our heart. Jesus tells a story about four soils. The first seed falls on a path that's full of pride, and it just can't get in there and grow. The second seed, James refers to this specifically, falls on rocky soil. The seed falls in a place where it's hard to plant. There's so many trials, faith is pushed out, so there's less works. Does that make sense? Pride will hold you back from works because you're not humble and won't go where God wants you to go. Trials will be like, God, where are you? And I don't have time for this. I've got enough trials in my life. There's no works in my life. And then this third seed falls in what's called this weedy area where it begins to grow, but then it says these weeds get around and it won't work and it won't flourish and it won't produce fruit in keeping with repentance and it won't produce good fruit. And here's why. You know what the three weeds are? Worries, wealth, and the desires for other things. Welcome to my landscape. <laughs> Anybody else relate to that? When I get over-consumed with worries, wealth, and the desire for other things, I produce less fruit. But then he talks about this fourth soil. There's this fabulous fourth soil. Fourth soil. He calls it the good soil. It's where it flourishes. This is where you let him be Lord more and more and more. And the faith and the works begin to crank and produce in that way. There's two guys recently in my life that I see this happening. I've seen this throughout their life. A guy named Walt, a guy named Guy. I like, a, I like saying a guy named Guy. It's kind of fun. But you'll see these pictures here. They're, they're age-wise, they're only about five years apart. I'll let you guess maybe who's older. And Walter, who I love to call him Walter because that's his real name, I have watched Walter pour into my family for 25, 24 plus years, probably 20. When my, daughter, when my oldest daughter became probably four, five, six, he was always in children's ministry. He's still in children's ministry. And then last week he said to me, hey, where's Freda? Because he was looking for his friend Freda. And he's like, I don't know where Freda is. And I go, why do you need Freda? And he starts telling me how he's tutoring through Generations United. And he's never been a tutor before, but the reality is tutoring. And he shows me this sheet of helping kids pronounce words right. And I was like, Walt, can you send me that? I actually need that help. All right? And, and he's helping kids learn English. And I'm like, Walt, why do you do this? And he said kind of one of the reasons Leanne said, it brings me some sort of joy. I really enjoy it. That's the beauty of faith and works. It'll bring satisfaction in our own life. And then there's Guy. Guy actually died on September 11th. I did his memorial yesterday. He raised his six kids in this church. Their family, it's a tough spot. He was 68. Too soon. Too soon. But I've watched Guy as a contractor in a local area just through gracious works, bring others into his life who really needed a job. Teens who were not a good place, bring them in. Besides his six kids, he would mentor them. And that was like this natural work. And then I heard these stories as he was dying. His daughter told me this. He just began to write letters to people. Write letters to people. He was doing work. He couldn't do the work out there anymore, so he did it from his pen. Write letters of reconciliation, letters, letters of encouragement. He ended up writing all these songs, too. It was beautiful in this way. Faith and works, they go together. Here's the reality. James is frustrated with his folks. And I actually think as a community, PCC, we do works pretty well. 
But in the end, I don't know what's going on in your personal life, and you don't know in my life. So for some reason, there's a message for us here today to make sure we understand the place of these two and allow our faith to flourish more and more so that our works flourish more and more. So let's look how James ends this letter. Look what he goes on to say, and this is a key piece right here. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now let's go back. Why does he bring, why does he bring the demons into this? <laughs> and is he calling them demons? He's just saying to them, my Jewish brothers and sisters who are now believers in Christ, we all believe in this one God. We all say the Shema. They used to say this Jewish prayer that would declare that there was this one God. And he says, even the demons believe there's one God. They have faith and believe there's one God, but they have no works because they're demons. Don't be like the demons. Don't be hypocrites like them. All right? They believe there's a one God. They're scared of the one God, but don't be like them. And look what he says. Do you want evidence that faith Without deeds is useless. And he goes on to saying, was not our father Abraham, he's talking Old Testament to his Jewish brothers and sisters, considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and actions are what? Working together. And his faith was what? Made complete by what he did. I think is this the best statement on faith and works in the Bible. Would you agree? They work together and it completes our faith because remember, what does faith do? Say it out loud. What does faith do? It saves us. Let's say that again. What does faith do? Don't get that confused. The answer is both and today, but that's about how they both matter. Faith actually saved us, but faith is made what? Complete in works. He goes on to say, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credit to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Now watch this next line. This is a controversial line. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Hmm. Wait a minute. Faith saves us. He just said faith and works go together because works complete. And then he's pushing the envelope here. He's pushing it to the edge. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. He's just pushing it. He's an advocate for works because he doesn't see enough of it. There was somebody else in church history that was the biggest advocate for faith. Does anybody know the name? It's why we have a Protestant denomination. His name was Martin Luther. And let's get this straight. Not Martin Luther King, all right? There's a difference. Both very beneficial men to our society. Martin Luther, I wish I had a picture up there for you, but I don't today, was a German priest. It was the 1500s. He was a German priest in the Catholic setting. And in the end, he was frustrated because they were charging people to have their sins forgiven. That was called indulgences. That'd be like Jack. Hey, Jack, good to see you today. If you pay me, your sins will be forgiven. You should give more, Jack. Okay? That was supposed to be funny. But Jack, uh, <laughs> the reality is this. He stood up against the church and said, this is wrong. It doesn't mean all the church was wrong, but that portion seemed wrong. He was saying, hey, 
it's based on faith we're saved. And he would go back to all those passages in Ephesians and even take you to Galatians. If I had to bring James and Martin Luther in here today, here's what I would do. I would actually say to them, gentlemen, the answer is both and. You were just emphasizing each side of it. James, you were emphasizing works because you're frustrated with your people about their lack of works. Luther, yes, the church had gone too far and they had lost sight of faith. Folks, it's both and. He ends this by speaking about Rahab, a prostitute, because he wants to prove a point. She got faith and it turned into works. And in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Here's the context. The Israelites are trying to take the promised land. They send two spies in and they sneak in and they stay in Jericho and they stay in Rahab's house. And at one point in Joshua 2.11, she believes in their God and she says this, for, you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven and above and on earth below. Listen to what she said. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. She in that moment when they were in their house, she put faith in their God. She then hid them in their house because her faith was working and she ends up becoming, as a Canaanite woman, a non-Jewish woman, she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus because her son becomes Boaz. It's a whole other story in the book of Ruth. Some of you understand what I said. Some are going, I need to check that out. I just want you to see, he's taking them back to a very extreme example of Jewish history and saying, even Rahab the prostitute, who got into the line of Jesus because she had the son Boaz, had faith that worked. That's what James is wanting for them then and us now. Look at the final line. And as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Folks, the answer is both and. And I want to leave you with that today. As we go today, I want you to actually write something about this. As our band comes up right now, would you grab the card in front of you? There's a white card. I want to give you a moment to sit before God regarding faith and works. What does he want you to write about it? What does he want you to pray about it? Maybe it's a praise that you're saved by faith. God, I praise you that I am saved by faith. Maybe it's God, help the seed in my life to get out of the trials get out of the temptations, and work more for you. Maybe it's just the line that you want to write this line down. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He just loves you. So take a moment. The band will lead us in our closing song. Jack will lead us in our final benediction. This is your moment right now to speak to God about faith and works. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for 
we are PCC.